Hello and welcome to Queerness and All That Shit, the show that talks about topics and issues involving our LGBT community in the MENA region. We are two queens from North Africa, and in this podcast, no topic is off limits. I'm your host, Rahim. And Fifi Faraonic. Today we're going to talk about what is like living with HIV. We'll discuss all the ins and outs that we know and from our perspective. Be sure to listen all the way through for my story. Now, let's roll the music. Hi, Queen. How was your week, girl? My week was long. And you know, we like a long week. Mine as well, actually. <laughs> Mine as well. Also long? Yeah, it was so long. I wish something else was long. But anyway, I'll take the week. <laughs> I think during COVID, the only long thing is our days. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it was our sex lives, but honey, we're not practicing. We're just talking about it. Speaking of sex, today's episode is a continuation of our episode Six Me Up. This is part two, the sequel. And in our first part, just a quick recap, we spoke about sex and the lack of education in the MENA region. Today, we're going to talk about sexually transmitted diseases. More than 1 million sexually transmitted infections are acquired every day worldwide as per the WHO. Each year, there are an estimated 376 million new infections within one of four STIs like chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, etc. The majority of STDs have no symptoms or only mild symptoms that are not recognized as STI or STDs. There are more than 30 different bacteria, viruses, parasites are known to be transmitted through sexual contact. STDs and STIs are infections that are passed from one person to another through sexual contact. The contact is usually vaginal, oral, and anal sex. But sometimes they can spread through other intimate physical contact. This is because STDs like herpes and HPV are spread by skin contact. What do you advise people who are sexually active? First of all, I think it is important to know that there are infectious diseases that are transmitted and what are these sexually transmitted infections. Knowing this is the first part. If you know something, you can prevent it easily. So like educating yourself. Of course, we said this so many times, testing is really important. You should test yourself. You should know what's in your body. You should know if you like if you have something like a symptom of you should check it out and see what it is and why it's there. And also protection. Protection is the really you know what is protection is condoms, honey. <laughs> like wear your condoms. Wear your condoms. And this is another part because a lot of people when we talk about condoms, they say when I whenever I wear condoms, it just go down. It just goes down. It's like having sex with a dildo or something like that. But there is a lot of practice. There is there is difference and difference of types of condoms that you can that can, you can use and also practice because we know that when someone some some people wear the condom and it goes down it's just with practice what goes which, down the condom i don't get that no when you have an erection and you wear the, the condom the erections go down are you serious yeah that's there's a lot of people who who have this problem why i don't know it's it's mental i think so yes it's a mental thing that's why there is a lot of exercises you can do like masturbate with the condom use felicia with the condom there there is now those they call them feather light there is a lot of brands who does these light ones and they're really light 
honestly you don't feel anything i use them you cannot feel them like it's just like it's not you're not wearing it yeah that's what i mean there's different options but some people you just see the, they see the condom and they freak out you know i don't know why such a taboo people would say i don't want to wear a condom because it will not give me the pleasure come on that's not a taboo it's it's a known fact because i worked in in sexual transmitted infections that's why we are talking about it because like when we're trying to educate people we also say this before you say that it, it doesn't work we know you're gonna say that there are these solutions also lubricant lubricant lub lub Oh my god, you know what is it what it's called? Lubricant. Lubricant. God. Lubricant. Lubricant. Al-Muzalak. Al-Muzalak. Ugly in Arabic, I'm sorry. I know, it's so nasty. Muzalak. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, it also helps with with the experience and the sexual experience and you know what I mean? So like what we said is knowing what is uh, the infection diseases, the, all the types, testing, and prevention and protection. To answer your question especially many stds do not usually cause symptoms and it takes some time for the person to discover it if you have a an insurance or you go to a clinic or you go to they call them in the MENA region laboratories so you can also go to a laboratory and ask i want to do stds test and they have no rights to reject you. We know there is a stigma behind people who ask for STDs tests, but who cares? Go, get tested, check yourself, because it's a very important thing to do. It's really important to check every month if you can, or every four months if you're unable to. It's important. Exactly, but and also like there is a lot of clinics now in, in the MENA region. Uh, there is a lot of programs to prevent STIs and especially HIV testing and uh, HIV transmission. And they have these programs of testing for free, giving awareness and raising awareness about these programs. I think you just check your local website and look for an organization or work for a clinic near you. And you can go there. It's stigma free. It's uh, discrimination free. They don't care about who you are and who you are sexually active with but what is in your body and how to, to protect you. I think we have the similar things in Morocco. There is in Algeria, there is in Tunisia. I'm sorry, I don't know about Libya. There is definitely in Egypt. I don't know about Saudi Arabia and the Gulf countries, I'm sorry. I know that there is in Lebanon, in Jordan as well. There is Palestine. There is also clinics there. So I think just look and you will find. Do you know them? Some of this organization by name? Yeah, yeah, of course I do. Why don't we post on our page then? So we can refer people to it. People who are listening to us from the MENA region. Good idea, Fifi. Oh my God, look at you being clever. <laughs> we can, actually, we can, yeah, yeah. Just go to our Instagram page and you will find all the information about it. And of course, if you didn't find a clinic that you know, please let us know in the DMs and we, we will make sure to include it as well. So help us to map things out. Speaking of HIV, HIV continues to be a major global public health issue, having claimed almost 33 million lives so far. However, with the increasing access to effective HIV prevention, diagnosis, treatment and care, including of opportunistic infections, HIV infection has become a manageable chronic health condition, enabling people living with HIV to lead long and healthy lives. There were an estimated 38 million people living with HIV at the end of 2019. I think due to the pandemic of COVID, sadly, the number of the new people starting treatment is far below 
the expectation. I understand in MENA region, we don't speak much of HIV and we have those stigma that it can come through day-to-day contact, which is wrong. And I hope people listening to us, please understand that individuals cannot become infected through ordinary day-to-day contact, such as kissing, hugging, shaking hands, or shaking a personal object. It does not work that way. And please get this idea out of your mind because that's really stupid stigma. Honey, preach. Just preach, honey. I'm not stopping you. You just go because we tried every solution to educate people i think shouting and beating them is the the only (laughs) way to do now to be honest with you i'm not gonna lie uh fifi egypt is in another level of stigma when it comes to people living with hiv i'm not gonna sugarcoat you we've got we've came far away in morocco the stigma is really reducing and reducing we can like count it that the stigma is reducing in morocco Egypt and the other side, I mean, honey, like the, the things we hear from the, the treatment of people living with HIV in Egypt is like baffling and I cannot understand the humanity. Egypt is the house of stigma of anything and I'm not proud of it. It goes in the entire community if you're talking about HIV, trans people, sexual education, everything comes with a stigma in my country, sadly. I am so proud of North Africa, of where they become, because they handle it in a way. I wish we would reach this. I wish we would reach that. Remember, Egypt is also North Africa. I've been read for the second time (laughs) on this episode. (laughs) I think we need to speak up more and more and more about stigma and discrimination and HIV, yeah. uh, especially like you said, there is a lot of tools to understand and to people educate themselves. Internet is there for a reason, but also in the internet, you can find people who are saying the wrong things, especially some influencers. Sadly. So this is also another thing because we, we need to understand what is the history of HIV. So the history in the MENA region, the Middle East, North Africa, it's like compatible with the, the, the West and what we saw in the West and the ways of the West, especially with homosexuality and adultery and all that. So HIV is linked to having sex outside of marriage, which is a big no-no in the Middle East, North Africa. You should be married, sealed, and seal the deal, and then... Pre-material sex that we spoke about last episode. Exactly. It means only people who are not married are the one who contracted HIV. So that's why there is a stigma. At the second degree, sex workers, of course, and then the homosexuals, weirdly enough. So there's, there's also like the notion of HIV is being an, a punishment from God. So God punished you. You are a disgrace. That's why you got HIV. That's why the stigma is still here, which is so sad because I know a lot of m- women in the Middle East, North Africa, who've been sitting in their houses doing nothing, being housewives, and HIV came to them in their bed. So like their husbands cheated on them or something like that, and they brought it to them. This is a fact. We are not sugarcoating anything. But they are also part of that shame, you know, so they, are they brought to that shame. The moment we realize that there is more to the story than just a punishment of God, we're going to progress. That's why the show, the new show in uh, Channel 4, it's called It's a Sin. It's because of the same reason, because it's it's a God sin. That's why you got HIV. I actually, when I, when, I, when I told people that I'm living with HIV, they all, like weirdly, they say, Oh, you went with a hooker? Oh my and God. I was like, girl, I'm the hooker. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of you living with HIV, would you tell us how did you find out that you were positive? I just said it. I was a hooker. (laughs) 
I find out that I'm HIV positive in 2013. So it's been like uh, eight years now that I'm living with HIV. And my life have never been better. But how I found out that I was HIV positive, I was sexually active since I was 15. We talked about this in the previous episode. Do you remember when I talked about finding new gays in my community? So this community that we were meeting an organization. And this organization was providing uh, HIV testing and HIV education and sexual education in general. And by the way, this is just a voluntary test. You are the one who chooses to do the test. Nobody's going to obligate you. You know, you can go to the organization without doing nothing. Just enjoy your time and eat food and da 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 da. So, therefore, even though I was sexually active, I was always invited to uh, have an HIV screening and STI screening. Just because I'm vulnerable to get HIV. So, HIV has a key population, which is men who have sex with men, sex workers, people who use drugs, and then various communities in every country. You can add in Morocco, people who use the truck or lorry drivers because they travel a lot and they have sex a lot so they can spread it more so they are also part of the vulnerable community so the first time i did my first hiv screening i was 17 i was terrified i was like oh my god i screwed up i don't know what i'm gonna do negative after three months again oh my god what am i gonna do i screwed up what if it's gonna be positive all this dilemma negative Again, like for the first, for the first, for the, for the six first times, it was always this. And then the, by the seventh time, I was like, what is my result? It's like, with confidence, I didn't even care. And unfortunately, what happened, I was going with whoever, like whoever's going to make me feel good. Whoever's going to make me feel validated. Condoms or no condoms, I don't care. My goal was to feel validated and to feel accepted. Do you know, we, we talked about it, body image. It's really linked. So when I, when I was having my body image issues and not confident with my body. So I was having unprotected sex. I remember May 2013, and I had this extreme fever that came from nowhere. I felt shivery, started coughing, I was throwing up, I had bad diarrhea. It lasted for five days or six days. And usually I have a strong immune system. I have the strongest immune system among all my family. My mother was always surprised because she gives me medicine and it didn't affect me. And she said, no, you, you ate something outside. This is like a food poisoning. I said, mom, I swear I didn't eat anything. As soon as I said that, I, I realized oh god this is it like literally this is it I thought of it I was like shit this is HIV and then I just said okay f forget about it a month later I went to the organization again and then I went to my screening to get my results and the, the doctor looked at me and she said to me oh I think there is something wrong with your test I think I need to, to do it again she did it again and she said there is something wrong with this test I don't know what is happening I need to do it again I come back tomorrow morning and get the test we're gonna leave it all day okay so I went home I cried I did everything that I can do like emotionally like wreck and then I went the next day and she said you are HIV positive this is like the strangest feeling that I had was I felt relieved. I'm gonna tell you why. I felt I was deserving the punishment. I deserved to be punished. Because I was in the mindset of, I'm doing the wrong thing, and me getting HIV is what is supposed to happen. It's a continuation to the story. Uh, it was probably in the back of your head. I don't know what to tell you, but I hope that you're out of this feeling now. Like, you got over that. I was 20 years old, so I was still confused about about life, about my sexual identity, about my gender identity. I was still discovering myself. And of course, I'm from a religious community. So like when, I, when they said to me, you are HIV positive, it was like, yes, I accept the punishment because I did something wrong. 20, 20 years old, finding out that you're HIV positive 
of course all this it's a mind fuck it's like as we said earlier being surrounded with the religious things the media community the images the culture all of this surrounding you when you're a kid i'm so sorry to hear that you believe that that was part of punishment after that happened how did you break it to your family like did you tell them immediately or you waited for a while when i got the result the first thing i thought of is what the fuck i'm gonna say to my family especially my mom because my mom at the time she was a single mother uh she just got divorced from, from my father and literally a mess which is kicked out from my house but her plate was full literally her plate was fucking full and here i am coming to throw a bomb. So I said to myself, I would never say to my mother, never in my life. I was depressed. I was, I felt like I was lying. I was hiding something. I don't know what was, what was my feeling. I felt like there was a mountain in my shoulders. But what happened was I have like my aunt, she's like my sister. And I told her that I'm HIV positive. She asked my permission to tell my other aunts. And I said, of course you can tell them. She told my aunts, they had a beautiful reaction. So they all know and your mom didn't know. Yeah, my mother didn't know still. It was down to me to tell my mom. You remember when I, when I said growing up as case, my mother found out I was gay when I was 17. But in her mind again, that I have changed, but I wasn't. She was living denial. She was living in denial, true. I told my mom, I sat her down on the bed and I told her, mom, I want to tell you something. I said it like this. Mom, I was having sex with men, and now I'm HIV positive. I'm sorry, but I'm not the son that you wanted. Oh my god, don't cry. It's I'm not okay. crying, I'm not crying. It's just like very emotional. It's like bringing back a lot of emotion. It's just saying, like saying to her that I'm sorry that I'm not the son that you wanted, and that I disappointed you. She just looks at me and she said, no, don't say that. It's just shocking, but don't say that. You know what I mean? It's just like her reaction was, it was so pure and beautiful. And that really gave me a lot of relief. That was nice of your mom. I was expecting you going somewhere dark, but that was really good from her that she just didn't actually reject you or, or went angry. Yeah, but I was like, I was ready to be honest with you. I was ready for the worst. I was like, I am gonna be out of this house. But it was, it was good. It was a positive thing. And actually our relationship became more strong because I felt like telling her something very personal, me being vulnerable with her, allowing her to discover who I am as a person. But, unfortunately, I got a bad reaction. It was from my brother, my older brother. My brother stopped talking to me. We didn't talk with each other, literally, for three years. We lived in the same house for two years without us talking to each other. You moved on with your mom and your relationship with HIV, right? It, she was okay with that for a while. And when you moved to Casablanca, right? I was testing them. I was testing their limit. So I decided to go on TV. <laughs> Wait, hold on. You went on TV when you were in Morocco and you spoke about yourself. This is like a bubble and it keeps getting bigger. Listen, I got HIV in 2013 and I went to national television in 2014. Not even a year. <laughs> That's how crazy I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm really shocked. Rahim, you're shocking me today. But my goal is pure. My goal was to change the perspective about HIV. So that's why I went, I went, to, I went to national television with my face on camera and telling people, yeah, I am HIV positive and deal with it. So, and people were talking in the television, they were like covering their faces. And for me, it's only a criminal who covers his, his face. You said everything, darling. You went on TV, I'm HIV positive, I'm queer, I don't give a fuck. I salute you 
for doing this. Well, here's the catch. I was not allowed to say that I'm queer. I'm not gonna say who turned to me and said, we don't have gays in Morocco. Oh. They, they don't exist. Don't talk about them. Don't talk about being gay. Nothing. And I realized for protection, because Morocco is criminalizing the LGBT community, but it was like such an erasure for me and such erasure of my identity. I want to ask you a question. When you found out that you were uh, HIV positive, you contacted the people that you actively had sexual connection? No, I didn't. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't. Uh, I didn't contact anybody. You did not because out of fear or why? How would I tell them? How would I tell them? Okay, I get that. You did it the right way. You went to TV. Hey. I, I went to TV. <laughs> hey. If you had sex with me, go check yourself. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> You keep saying the organization, the organization. Can you tell us what is the name of the organization? We need to shout out for the good efforts that you are really mentioning today. Yeah, it's called Association de Lutte contre le Sida, or the Organization to Fight Against AIDS in Morocco. It's one of the first organizations that were established in the MENA region, the Middle East, North Africa, one of the first ones. It was established in 1989. The first case that was discovered in Morocco, HIV case, was in 1986. And the founder of the organization is actually the professor who diagnosed the person. Her name is Hakim Hamish, and she is the one who created the infectious diseases program in Morocco with the national health program. And I got the pleasure to work with her and to learn from her. Uh, they advocated for people living with HIV to receive free treatment from Morocco, all the testing for free, all the screening for free, care for free for people living with HIV. We have 19 bureaus around Morocco and the programs ranging from prevention, we talk with communities who are vulnerable to be infected with HIV, men who have sex with men is a program, sex workers is a program, uh, people who use drugs is a program, migrants, and we have a program with youth. We go to schools to educate about condoms and living with HIV and what it means to be HIV positive and testing and all that. First of December is World AIDS Day. Every December there's a big campaign which is in television, flyers, banners in the, in the, in the streets, radio shows. I want to shout out to Dr. Hakima. I hope she's listening to this. Thank you so much for the efforts that we just spoke about. You have changed and touched the lives of a lot of people and I wish my country was is as good as you who can change the stigma. Professor Hakima Hamish, un grand merci à vous vraiment de ma part et de, de la part des de personnes vivantes avec le VIH. Vous m'avez vraiment changé la vie et grâce à les efforts que vous avez faites et fournis, j'ai eu le courage et j'ai le courage de parler de ma sérologie et de mon diagnostic. Alors merci aussi de ma part. Abdrahim. There will be subtitles following that. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the stigma behind HIV, it's really sad that it's still a constant struggle that even within our LGBT community, we're hearing those stupid stories that people are abusing others or trying to out them and destroy their life to take advantage of them. This is vulnerable. This is something that you shouldn't feel ashamed or somebody shame you for. Also, being HIV positive can make you lose your friends and people who are close to you which I think, as we said earlier in this episode, it's a key factor why most of people aren't coming forward or seeking help. Because as you know, I worked on another podcast and it wasn't really easy for us to reach to people who are living with HIV just because they don't want to lose people around them because of the stupid stigma 
in our MENA region. I agree. I agree. And um, I think I think Morocco is an exception. We, we just we just gathered that, that Morocco is an exception. In the Gulf country, it's even worse. So for example, in Emirates, in Saudi Arabia, if you are living with HIV, you are denied entry in the country. And you know that there's a lot of migrants who go to the Gulf countries, whether Saudi Arabia, whether Emirates, whether Bahrain, whether Kuwait or Amman. So if they contracted HIV, whether if they live there 15 years, 10 years, no matter what, the first flight, you are deported. You are deported with the clothes that you are wearing. Deportation. It's very sad, but it's true in GCC. If you're a resident, not a citizen, you are deported immediately. You're not even given a chance to close anything or go back home as you are airport done. I don't understand why, I have to be honest with you. I never understood why. And even even, even the citizens, Fifi, by the way, even the citizens, they are not allowed to work if they are living with HIV. Are you serious? They are not allowed to work. They are confined. They are like, asking to, to stay at home and they just provide for them a salary. Like for a salary. I'm not 100% sure, but that's what I heard. Because I met a Saudi Arabian guy who is living with HIV and he told me the same thing. He said, we are not working, we are not allowed to work. The, the state is providing benefits for us. I was like, what? This is dumb as F. This is a diminishing of a human being. Well, are they humans? <laughs> <laughs> also, we would like to maybe educate our listeners today that... Well, all this and they are not educated. <laughs> Part of our educational today, we would like to confirm that you still can... Take some notes. <laughs> you still can have HIV and live a happy lifestyle. Very healthy lifestyle. Not healthy lifestyle. A very healthy lifestyle. So CD4 is the cell that is responsible for killing diseases, protecting your body from infectious diseases. So in the average person, between 500 and 900, I have 1,500. So like 1,000 more than average. A very healthy, thank you very much. For the medications, it comes with negative side effects, is that true? Well, every medication has its own side effect. But we have to remember that the science when it comes to HIV have really came a long way. In the early 2000s, people would have taken from 10 pills to 16 pills a day. Now, I'm taking one pill a day. Wow. Of course, depending on which kind of medication you're taking. But like what we have to say, the new medication don't have any side effect and they are really good to live with. Okay, this is really great news for people if this is the first time to know. Also, there is another thing, it's called PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis, which is preventing you to get HIV. If you are HIV negative, you can take the, the PrEP if you are sexually active, of course, and it has conditions. I think it's available in, only in Morocco now. I don't know about the other countries, but I am not sure. Did you hear of endinghiv.nz? It's also an organization that aiming to end HIV. I learned through them undetectable status protocol, which is like you equal you. Can you explain this to people who are listening to this on the first time? Uh, just about to about Indian HIV, thank you for saying that by the way and reminding me. Not only New Zealand, darling, it's the whole world wants to end HIV by 2030. That's why it's called 1990-90, but now it's 95-95-95 because a lot of countries have reached the 95 goals. That's in 2020. In 2030, it's going to have to be 000, which is zero new affections, zero newborn with HIV, and zero deaths from HIV. And the U and the U equals U is a stepping stone of ending HIV. What is meaning U equals U? Undetectable equals untransmittable. I said, we said that I am taking HIV drugs or IRVs. Well, by those IRVs, the role is to reduce 
the virus in the human body. That reduction, we reach a point when we call it undetectable. So the tests we use to detect the quantity of the virus in the body, that test doesn't detect it anymore. It's there. You are living with HIV for sure, but it, you cannot say how much you have in your viral load. Wow, the world is changing and this is really good news. We're moving forward, but sadly, in the MENA region, those information does not fly to us. People don't know that. It's very sad that the media is only stigmatizing HIV, but they don't educate people that, oh, look, the world is changing, y'all. Things are going to the positive direction. I'm really sad that in our region we don't do that. I wish people would learn more. And we do, we do, but we don't do it enough. That's what we should. At the end of our episode, we hope that you had learned something, that we would change your mind about something, that taught you something new that you never heard of. HIV, it's not like the 80s anymore. I'm happy, I am healthy, I am really good in my mind. And reach out to us in Instagram and tell us what you think about the episode, any suggestions about future episodes. Thank you for listening. Catch you in the next one. Have, Have a good a weekend. Have a good weekend. Bye! Bye.